Good morning, everyone. I tried to convince Jane to do about 20 songs this morning, and she wouldn't do it. So, yes, how rude. I uh, didn't tell Tar I was doing this till this morning, and uh, he gave me some advice. He says to relax and breathe. And so if I could keep breathing, I might be doing okay. But, uh, you know, I, this is, if you guys don't know, this is my first time. And I'm not calling this a sermon, I'm calling it a lesson. Just to maybe take some pressure off of me so I, I don't freak out about being up here this morning. Um, I don't take this place lightly, being up here this morning. Um, but um, I appreciate the opportunity uh, with, I think, what God has led me to, to share. Um, I, you know, I know that we all have the certain anxieties. Um, and there's been times, even as an adult, even at the age in my 40s, uh, when I had to read, say, you know, when we would do a Bible study on Sunday evenings, and I would read some type of scripture, um, I would get really nervous to where my voice was so shaky. And I would actually take a, a pen, and I would get the point out, and I would dig it in my fingers so hard to kind of take all that pressure off of, you know, what I was going to do so I could actually be able to read. And my voice was still so shaky. And then I, I finally learned to breathe through it. And if I would breathe through it, um, I could actually read without my voice being so shaky. And so it's not easy to get over the anxieties that we have, um, but God allows us to do that from time to time. And so that is my prayer today that I, I can get over the anxiety of what I'm feeling and I thought I was doing pretty good the last few weeks about getting up here. And then this morning, I woke up with a fever blister on my lip, which usually when that happens, it means I'm stressed out. So that's when I, so just, you know, uh, but I would say my comfort zone, if you notice where I usually sit during church, is usually on the outside of the pews. And so we've sat through the years on this side of the church or this side, but I don't sit in the middle. I sit on the far side. And usually it's third row or further back. And so Jane said she wasn't going to sit up here on the front row. Uh, and so I was ready to sit in the back myself, you know. Um, so I would say anybody that's sitting middle in, you guys are pretty courageous just to come to church and sit middle in. Um, so you might be asking yourself, and I'm asking myself, what am I doing up here this morning? Um, so, I, you know, I've been helping out teaching some of the Sunday evening services and some of the, the ways that we've been teaching and I, some of the uh, tools that I've been using to teach on Sunday evening is some video series where we play a video 20 minutes, 30 minutes, sometimes long. And so those are easier because we let the video or I let the video kind of teach the lesson. And then I just come back and bring out some highlights and answer some qu or ask some questions and look for answers, some feedback on that. And if I have to put in my two cents, you know, I'm prepared to do that. And so we were, had been studying about the Lord's Prayer a few months, about, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, we finished up that six-week series. And I wanted to come up with something just a little different to kind of keep things fresh. And I was just wanting to, bring, to think about some verses. And one of the things, if, you know, we spend time in Sunday school and, and studying God's Word uh, on Sunday morning services, and uh, so many of the lessons that we look at um, show us and teach us that being a believer is hard work. Um, scripture even teaches us that. 
And so where I want to go first is in G James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. So that's what we're going to look at first this morning. So and that's, this is just kind of an introduction. This is not really what we're going to be studying this morning. I know, I can't remember which, uh, which man from the convention came and taught on this. It might have been Tar. I can't remember. Um, so in, in James chapter uh, 1, And verse 2, it says, My brothers and sisters, when you have many kinds of troubles, you should be full of joy because you know that these troubles test your faith, and this will give you patience. Let your patience show itself perfectly in what you do. Then you will be perfect and complete and will have everything you need. So this tells us that not only will we have troubles, but when we do, uh, it shows us what attitude we should have through those times of, uh, of trouble. It talks about joy, and it's not the giddy joy that we have in our life. It, to me, it's just that overwhelming, comforting peace that we have in our lives through that. Um, and so it talks about our faith being tested and having the patience to be able to go through those troubles. And so um, there's many places in, in Scripture that we can look at where we're going to have a tough time as a believer. If you would go to First Peter chapter 4, we'll look at this set of verses um, and so, it, you know, if, uh, if you know much about me as well, you know I don't normally answer questions in a short way. Uh, drives my brothers nuts because I, I, and probably drives Jane nuts because I go full circle around to explain one simple question. And so to answer your question, what I'm doing up here, this is all kind of part of it. Um, so in First Peter chapter 4, uh, verses 12 through 19, it says, My friends, do not be surprised at the terrible trouble which now comes to test you. Do not think that something strange is happening to you, but be happy that you are sharing in Christ's suffering so that you will be happy and full of joy when Christ comes again in glory. When people insult you because you follow Christ, you are blessed because the glorious spirit, the, the Spirit of God is with you. Do not suffer for murder, theft, or any other crime, nor because you trouble other people. But you, if you suffer because you are a Christian, do not be ashamed. Praise God because you wear that name. It is time for judgment to begin with God's family. If, and if that judging begins with us, what will happen to those people who do not obey the good news of God? It is very hard for a good person to be saved. The wicked person and the sinner will surely be lost. So those who suffer as God once should trust their souls to the faithful creator as they continue to do what is right. And so these verses, if when you look at them, we should not be surprised by the terrible trouble that comes to test us. Um, we should be happy to suffer in Christ's name and realize that we're blessed through those sufferings. Uh, don't be ashamed to suffer for being a believer and continue to do what is right. And so many of our lessons, like I said, have to do with the struggles and the hard time that it is to be a believer. And so as we were kind of transitioning out of that six-week Bible study, I was thinking about what to teach on a Sunday evening that would just be encouraging, some encouraging words. And so, uh, you know, uh, kind of like Devana shared, I don't know, a couple of years ago where, you know, God woke her up early one morning and and she wrote some things down with the Holy Spirit letter to to write. 
And if you know my mind, my mind never, I'm always thinking about something. Even when, I, if I'm watching TV, my mind may be thinking about something. So you guys that can just kind of space out, I even you, because my mind is always thinking of something. You know, even if I'm talking to you, I'm, my mind's probably thinking about something else as well. Uh, so I was, I, I woke up early one morning and, uh, and I was trying to go back to sleep and some verses were kind of going through my mind of some encouraging verses. And um, Marvin was having a difficult time trying to find somebody to preach this morning, and I knew that. And so that morning when I, my mind was going over these verses, I just had the thought, and I really feel, and the only reason I'm up here is because I feel like God told me, instead of teaching this on a Sunday evening, you need to share it on a Sunday morning. And so two weeks ago, I asked, uh, asked Marvin if he had found anybody to preach this morning. He said no, and I said, well, I'll do it. And I would never get up here if I didn't feel like that God had asked me to do this. Um, so that's why I'm up here this morning. Um, you know, for years, uh, I've always thought that I have the gift of encouragement. And I've had some people tell me I have the gift of teaching. So I, I, when I teach, I hope that whatever I say and the people that are there to listen are encouraged by whatever lesson it is. And so this morning, th this, that is my hope. Uh, is that you guys are encouraged by the verses that I have today. We're not going to camp out at any one set of verses, and so that's why the, the bulletin doesn't have just one set of verses. We're going to skip around to five different things that I came up with that I, I believe that God led me to that are encouraging. And so before we go any further, let's go ahead and pray. Father, Father, we just want to thank you, and we, Father, we just praise you for who you are. Father, we just praise you for your love for us and, and for Jesus. Uh, Father, just thank you for your word and what it teaches us and the encouragement that it gives to us. Uh, even though um, it is hard to be a Christian and uh, we can find encouragement in your word and, and living as a believer uh, by your word. So, Father, I just ask that you'd give us a clarity of mind uh, with what your scripture says today. And we just uh, thank you and praise you for your presence with us. In your name I pray. Amen. So the first uh, set of verses, uh, or first verse that I want to actually go to is John 3.16. So that's where we'll start out this morning. Um, you know, I think this is, as a believer, I think this is probably the first verse that I ever memorized. And um, actually, a few weeks ago, I had a hard time reciting this to myself word for word. Yeah, um, uh, you know, for God so loved the world that, he said his only son see i can't even tell you now and i learned it in the king james version of, um but uh i know luke knows it because in youth one day um he recited it uh, at youth a few weeks ago so um but it was just interesting the the to me probably the most important verse in the bible uh one of the most important um uh, you know, I couldn't recite. I can't recite it to you right now. But let's look at it, and I'll get it right in Scripture. In John 3.16, it says, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son so that whoever believes in him may not be lost but have eternal life. And so, to me, this, this verse is so encouraging um, to know that God loved us and loves us so much that he was willing to send his Son, Jesus, uh, to save us from our sins. And so that is the first truth that brings encouragement to me is knowing that God has loved us that much that he was willing to do that. 
um, knowing scripture, knowing that Jesus has always been. So uh, here in a couple of months, we get to celebrate Christmas and just, I think, nine weeks, weekends away, nine Sunday, or, uh, just nine weekends. We're looking at Christmas and the celebration of Jesus being born. We have to understand that Jesus has always been. He wasn't born at that time when we celebrate his birth. He has always been. And so when we realize that Jesus loves us so much, or God loves us so much that he sent Jesus, we have to recognize that Jesus loved us just as much as God does. And knowing what Jesus gave up, he gave up his residency in heaven to come to this earth, um, to go through the difficulties of, of growing up as a child and going through teenage years and becoming an adult. Jesus experienced all the things that we experience as human beings. Um, he suffered criticism. He suffered being be uh, beaten. Uh, he was betrayed. Uh, I don't know if you have ever been betrayed, but how hard that hurts. Jesus went, had all those same emotions that we would experience as human beings. And Jesus knew all these things before he came down to this earth to be our Savior. He was willing to suffer through those things. Um, being sacrificed on the cross. And worse of any of all of that is knowing that God, at that time when Jesus bore all of our sins on himself, knew that God was going to have to turn his face and look away because God can't look on sin, knowing that, God, that Jesus was willing to, to go through that, I wouldn't say rejection, but, you know, God, he knew that he was going to have to go through that. I don't know how to comprehend that type of love that, that God and Jesus have for us. Um, and trying to put that in perspective, you know, watching a friend or watching a family member go through some struggles in their life, and it just aches at your heart. It just breaks your heart to see them go through that. Raising your kids and uh, seeing that they go through tough times or, or when they make unwise decisions and the consequences sometimes of those decisions, um, even when they're adults, you know, our four boys are adults, you know, and, and it's harder to be a parent to me uh, with them being adults. And I'm sure Jerry and Judith, um, your kids are, are older than our kids and, and watching them and, you know, seeing them go through some of their, some of their struggles, the, the aches that we feel and the love that we feel for our children continues even after our kids grow up and, and are adults. Is that, you know, this type of love? or celebrating with our family and friends through good times in their lives. When things, good things happen and you get to celebrate that, is that uh, the love that this scripture talks about? Um, to get an idea of that, let's look at John uh, chapter 15, uh, verse 13. So in John chapter 15, verse 13, it says, the greatest love a person can show is to die for his friends. So that's the love that, that Jesus had for us. Uh, that is the love that God has for us. And so we need to realize that that's the depth of God's love and Jesus' love for us. Uh, besides realizing that God and, and Jesus loves us, loves me and loves you uh, that much, Believers also realize that the only thing we have to do to receive the internal life that it talks about in John 3.16 is to realize who Jesus is, to realize that we as sinners cannot save ourselves from the eternity of life in hell. Uh, to all we have to do is confess our sins to God at that time and accept Jesus as our Savior. 
So when I was thinking about this verse and it being an encouragement, I hope it, remi it reminds me and I hope it reminds you when you first made that decision to accept Jesus as your Savior, and it helps encourage you to continue to have that faith in who God is and who Jesus is. I know there's a lot of things that, that uh, we were talking about um, the chatter that goes on and, and the way that the, the world will try to influence us and distort who Jesus is and distort who God is. And what we believed when we accepted Christ as our Savior, um, that same faith, I hope that this verse encouraged you to stay faithful to that. So the next uh, verse that I would like to look at is John chapter uh, 14. So we're going to uh, just go over to the chapter before and look at verses 15 through 17. And it says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it does not see him or know him but you know him because he lives with you and will be with you. And so, uh, and yeah, 17. And so in these verses, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. And so if we go over to Acts chapter 2, so Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, So it says, uh, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a, a noise like a strong blowing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw something like flames of fire that were separated and stood over each person there. They were, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak different languages by the power the Holy Spirit was giving them. So Jesus promised um, the Holy Spirit, and here we see in these verses that the fulfillment of that promise came about. When we accept Jesus as our, our Savior, we are filled with the Holy Spirit at that time. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. I still remember accepting Jesus as my Savior. I remember, I remember we've sat fairly far back in the, in the church, but I still remember the Holy Spirit convicting me of the need to go forward and I remember coming out of the pew to my left and walking down that aisle to accept Jesus as my savior that morning um, I don't remember because I was at a, such a young age and I um, I don't remember what it's, it was ever like to live my life without the Holy Spirit leaving, leave, living inside of me for people that are not Christians I could not imagine the void that they have in their life and and having to rely on their own wisdom to get through life. Um, so what does the Holy Spirit do for us? And so um, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to read a couple of verses here, 10 through 14, just so we kind of have an idea of what the Holy Spirit does besides uh, convict us of a need of a savior. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 14, it says, But God has shown us these things through the Spirit. The Spirit searches out all things, even the deep secrets of God. Who knows the thoughts that another person has? Only a person's spirit that lives within him knows his thoughts. 
It is the same with God. No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, if we did not receive the Spirit of the world, but we receive the Spirit that is from God so that we can know all that God has given us, and we speak about these things not with words taught by human wisdom, but with the words taught, by, uh, taught us by the Spirit. And so we explain spiritual truths to spiritual people. A person who does not have the Spirit does not accept the truth that comes from the Spirit of God. That person thinks they were foolish and cannot understand them, but they can only be judged to be true by the Spirit. And so when I looked at these verses, the Holy Spirit helps us to understand Scripture um, so we can understand God. So that's why we need to be able to interpret Scripture so we can understand God. The Holy Spirit allows us and helps us to love God and allows us or helps us to uh, love Jesus and to love our neighbor as well. And so the only way sometimes that we can do those things is through the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Um, the Holy Spirit helps us to make decisions. Um, I, I honestly wish there was like an easy button, you know, or this neon sign that would say yes or no or go this direction or that direction. It's, it's not like that when it's the Holy Spirit. But, you know, sometimes it is in the middle of the night when we have when I get clarity is when I wake up and there's a certain thought that goes through my mind or something. And it's the Holy Spirit talking to me. Um, but it does help us to make decisions. It also convicts believers of our sins and leads us to repentance. So it's that conviction that's on us. Um, but knowing that I have the Holy Spirit to lead me through life and I'm not on my own to try to figure what a believer, you know, how to live the life of a believer and knowing that I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, that it helps me through that. To me, that's encouraging. That is good news. That is great news to have that. And so I think that's why um, I, I was, you know, kind of led to that verse. I know, you know, we could look at the Holy Spirit and study so many different things about the Holy Spirit, but that's for another time. Um, the next verse that I want to look at, um, I would say two years ago through COVID, this verse was probably on Facebook more than any other, any other verse uh, that I've seen. And since COVID's kind of been, you know, not the big topic of every day, I really haven't seen it quite as much. But let's look, look at uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. So, and if you guys were prepared like me, uh, I stuck a little thing on my Bible, little magnet thing to where I could go right to it. So if you guys had been anticipating, uh, you would have that as well. So 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. So it says, then if my people who are called by my name are sorry for what they have done, if they pray and obey me and stop their evil ways, I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So to my, uh, about 10 years or so ago, my youngest brother has uh, two daughters and, and a son. And so the middle, middle daughter, she's pretty ornery. And we were all in Fort Sumner probably for Christmas or something like that. And um, I have a brother that is a conductor on a train. He drives trains. Um, John would be able to, to uh, a conductor or an engineer. I don't know which one is which. Um, and so he's Uncle Train. And so I have a brother that works on a ranch that's just a little about a year and a half younger than I am. 
And so he's Uncle Henri, and he's the, the Henri one. And so they were trying to figure out what, uh, what nickname to give me. And so I said, Uncle Perfect. And they said, everybody else was like, no, 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 no. Well, so many people disagreed with it. She's Henri enough, she's like, yeah, Uncle Perfect. And so I've been pretty much Uncle Perfect for several years until they got a little older and realized I'm not so perfect like you know they, they thought I was. So now I'm like uh, Uncle Sort of Perfect. And so, um, but when I look at this verse, I know I'm not perfect, even though I try to claim uh, Uncle Perfectness. Um, I know I continue to disappoint God. I continue to sin. Um, I am aware that I have this war inside of me that involves a battle between my sinful nature and what the Holy Spirit wants. And so to kind of understand that a little bit more, let's look at uh, Galatians chapter 5. So now you know why, why Jane wasn't able to list all of these, uh, these verses in the bulletin for you guys. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. It says, So I tell you, live by following the Spirit, then you will not do what your sinful selves want. Our sinful selves want what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit wants what is against our sinful selves. The two are against each other, so you cannot do just what you want, what you please. But if the Spirit is leading you, you are not under the law. So, when I look at this, the good news is that if I will recognize the sin the, that is in my life, if I will humble myself, and whatever that looks like from individual to individual, that may be getting on your knees to humble yourself. It may just, it may be sitting down. It may just be stopping and recognizing that, that I have sin in my life and say, stop it. And then at that point, if I pray for that forgiveness, I know that God forgives me because of what Second Chronicles uh, in chapter 7, verse 14 says. It promises that God will forgive me of my sins at that point. Um, the shame that I experience when I sin, um, I, I can't, uh, you guys might experience this, the same shame, this, the separation between myself and God. Um, I would say it, it's shameful is what I feel. And so, how f- when God forgives me of my sin and when God forgives you of your sin, how far is that shame gone? How far has that sin been forgiven? And in Psalms chapter 103, 103, uh, verse 13 or 12, it says, he has taken our sins away from us as far as the east is from the west. That's good news to realize that even though I continue to mess up and I sin, to know that God is willing to forgive me time and time and time again and it's just not, well, I'll forgive you for the next hour, and then I'm going to bring it back up, and I'm going to convict you of that. Knowing that when I, when I am willing to humble myself and pray for that forgiveness, that forgiveness is as far as from the east is to the west. It's just so comforting to know that I don't have to live my life in deep, a deep mess of sin and that conviction, but I can feel the forgiveness of God throughout my life if I'm willing to follow his commands and his command there in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. So now when I normally teach Sunday school or teach Sunday evening, the difference is um, 
I get to ask questions and then I have to have an answer back. And so for us to go any further with what I have prepared, I need an answer from somebody this morning on this question. How does Moses make coffee? Tommy, he brews it. So that's where we're going next. Let's go to Hebrews. So Hebrews chapter 10. I actually Googled that just to make sure I made it. I, I had it right. Because if, if you put how did Moses make coffee, he doesn't brew it. He brewed it. So there's not a Hebrewed, you know, at the Bible. So you got you to make sure you get it Hebrews. So in Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 24 and 25. And this was another uh, COVID uh, set of scriptures that was on Facebook quite a bit. So it says, let us think about each other and help each other to show love and do good deeds. You should not stay away from the church meetings as some are doing, but you should meet together and encourage each other. Do this even more as you see the day coming. I tell you, I enjoy and I look forward to Sunday mornings coming into this church. I enjoy the fellowship. Um, I enjoy coming to church to worship God. Um, I enjoy singing, and I know, you know, certain people give me a hard time. They're not being mean. They're just giving me a hard time about my voice. I know um, Ethan has the voice. I mean, when he is in this church and he sings, everybody knows Ethan is here. Um, he's got that voice. But you women that have your voices that you guys do, you know, you're probably envy of, of, much, of much of our men, you know, because we don't have those type of voices. But I, I do enjoy the singing. Uh, just don't get close to me. Um, I enjoy coming into church and reading God's word and discuss, discussing God, God's word. Um, being discipled. I'm still, at my age, being discipled by you guys. Um, I, I teach, but I'm still being discipled. Um, I love to encourage, um, but even more, I like to be encouraged. And so I appreciate, you know, the encouragement to get up here um, somebody told me this morning they're really looking forward to this today to see what I had to say and I was like I'm not you know I was ready to leave you know but they had guards on every door today uh, but I, I do I appreciate the encouragement that you guys give and I hope you guys are encouraged by each other as well um, I like the time that we spend in prayer in this church and not only praying for the church's needs but praying for other people's needs as well um, I enjoy our potlucks. Um, I enjoy all the celebrations that we have, um, celebrating somebody being baptized, just all the different things that we do as a church in our fellowship. Um, I like being involved, and it's to me it's comforting to know that there's others that feel the same way too, um, that we need each other to show love, and we need each other to do the things that God has called us to do. We're called to rely on each other to be able to do those things, um, to feel that love and to, to feel in that encouragement. And so I hope that's what you feel today is the encouragement by God's word and from the fellow believers that you guys have here this morning. Um, to to kind of give you an idea of the importance of being here in corporate worship, and, uh, and we all miss church from time to time, and to me that's fine. There's things that happen, and I know Walter a few weeks ago had hand, foot, and mouth disease, and that's the last thing we want somebody you know, with that type of issue coming into church to get everybody infected. So there's times that we need 
that time away from church and and um, and that's fine. I missed last Sunday in September. I usually miss about three weeks when we go camping and, and playing with the elk and everything else. That's fine to me. We're not expected to be here every Sunday, but I hope you guys look forward to coming to church. If you guys know what I do for a living, I've been a claims adjuster for 26 years and for 24 years of that, um, I was able to meet with people face to face. And as a claims adjuster, you realize that when you meet with people, they've had a bad day. And so being able to go meet with people face to face and interact with them, um, to let them know that I was there to help, uh, to fulfill a promise that their policy made. Most people don't understand policies for one thing. Most people, I don't even read my policy, but I understand policy because I've had to study it. Um, but they really don't understand what the policy reads and, and what is covered and what's not covered. And so being able to go in and even sometimes when you're not able to do anything for people. Um, I've actually, one time when I used to handle homeowners claims, I was in Deming, just bought a brand new pair of uh, Justin work boots and I got a claim where a house was flooded. I, I had to walk, I couldn't even get my car there. They had to come get me in an SUV. Um, drove up to the house, there was 12 inches of water outside the house, there was four inches of water throughout the entire house. They didn't have flood insurance. So there was nothing I could do other than be there. Um, they, uh, the parents were like in their 60s and the kids were like 10, 12 years old, they were very young. And when I left there, I called my supervisor and I said, I can't leave them there. Um, and so he allowed me, and back then we had these draft checks that I used to use for, um, for motel rooms. And so uh, my supervisor allowed me to pay for two rooms for two nights to kind of get them through a couple of nights uh, to where they can get their feet uh, underneath them and everything. Um, I know I've been in Verdon uh, going through a house that got flooded and there was just mud throughout the entire house. Um, the importance of being face to face with people was no more evident the importance of it than when I went to Beaumont, uh, Texas after Hurricane Harvey hit. And uh, Dan Grindstaff is where, you know, he was down there uh, evangelizing just before this happened. Uh, he was actually our interim pastor at that time. And when I first got into the area, I, sh I drove through Sugar Creek, Texas, and then we were staying in Sulphur, uh, Louisiana because there wasn't any motel rooms in Beaumont. And as you start driving through those communities, and some of you guys have heard this before, but you see all these trash bags on the side of the road. And I spent two and a half weeks there. And as I started uh, going to the different houses and looking at these cars, um, and I still have pictures. If you guys want to look at them, um, there was mold uh, growing in these cars because they were in garages and exp you know just left in very humid conditions and it's like a you know a, a gray beard that was growing off of um, sun visors and off the steering wheel and on the seats and the consoles they were just covered in in mold and you would when you went to go meet with these people you went to their homes and so sometimes you went into their homes and most people even like uh, hurricane ike just hit florida most people in those areas don't cover flood insurance, and that's the only insurance. Your normal homeowner's insurance does not cover those type of things. So you have to have flood insurance. And so FEMA comes in, and if you want to understand what a savior is to most people, go to those flood areas, and their savior is FEMA. 
because that's the only way they're going to be able to get their homes um, rebuilt. Like Christ rebuilds our life. He builds us up and, and we learn so much. Um, we have that love. But when I would walk to, into people's houses or walk up to their houses, they would ask me if I was with FEMA because they were waiting for that Savior to come in and save their houses. And, and all the walls that were flooded were, they would cut the drywall out four feet and above because FEMA will only pay for four, the first four feet. And so you would see people in their 60s and 70s gutting out their own homes. Um, there was no way that if I didn't go down there and, and experience this for myself face to face, I would have ever realized what they were going through. And I told one man, I said, I don't, real, I don't have an understanding. I can't um, comprehend what you guys are dealing with through all of this. And I think about how we're work, trying to work virtually now. I would have never had that experience and been able to show my concern for people. And, and um, I asked one woman, she was the ex-mayor of Port Arthur. I said, I don't know how I go back and what I tell the people. And she says, just tell them that you know, we're okay, but we need lots and lots of prayer. And so to me, when, when I take this scripture about you know, um, not forsaking the assembly of, of believers and being in church, you know, we can get a text message, we can get a phone call, a Snapchat, a Facebook post, and those are encouraging ways that, you know, can kind of keep us motivated to be the light of the people that we're surrounded by. But to me, there's nothing that benefits us more as believers than being in the presence of, a believer, of a, other believers. And that's just an illustration that I kind of thought about in the, way, the company I work for and what I do for a living, the difference in all that. So... Um, the last set of ver the last verse I want to look at is back at John three sixteen, and we'll, we're gonna. And it says again, God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him may not be lost but have eternal life. The reason I went back to this is because the hope that we have in eternal life, that promise that God has in this verse about that. Um, the one thing that I, scares me the most is death. And there's been times when I've thought about it that uh, I, I feel like I've almost kind of spaced out and almost kind of felt like I'm about to faint. It, is, it overwhelms me when sometimes I think about death and knowing that, not, I guess it's because of the unknown. You know, what is life in heaven going to be like? And, and knowing that basically I'm fully out of control when that happens. I'm, I don't know when I'm going to die. I don't know how I'm going to die. Um, and then that transition into eternal life and, and all of that unknown. Um, and so what I rely on and the hope that I have and the encouragement that I have through my death is knowing that the promise of resurrection uh, of the eternal life and that's all because of what Jesus did for us in the resurrection and the power of the resurrection and knowing that when I accept Jesus as my savior that I have that same power that of eternal life coming to me um, in Titus 1 uh, verse 2 it says in the hope of eternal life which God who cannot lie promised long ago knowing that God doesn't lie. What scripture tells us about eternal life is true, and we can hold our hat on that. Um, we, can, uh, we can trust that. It's, uh, to me, it's comforting to know, and it encourages me not to think about death so much 
and just know that, hey, when this happens, this is the promise that I'm going to hold on to. So I would invite the, the worship team back up at this time. And as we, you know, prepare to conclude our service today, if I would just encourage, my last uh, part of encouragement is just to say if, if somebody here has never come to that realization of the need of, of a Savior, um, if you have never answered this question, which we will all be responsible to answer this question one way or the other, did you make a decision to ask Jesus as your Savior? And that answer to that question has eternal consequences. So if there's anybody that has never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I would just hope that today you would say yes to Jesus.